Good morning. All right, how's everybody doing? Everybody healthy? Huh? Feels like everybody's sick these days, isn't it? Feels like there's a, a new pandemic of some sort of cough or flu that's going around, and it's gotten my house and my kids a thousand times over, and my wife, and I'm over it. I'm over it. Over it. Yes, in Jesus' name. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking to Pastor Tom, and he used to tell me that somebody had said to him, you know, I had kind of an easy life, and then I became a Christian. <laughs> Anyone who tells you that Christianity is easy, they're either lying or they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, this is not an easy call. And that's what I'm talking about today. We're talking about the call of God on the church, the call of God on you. Uh, we're, we're called, whether you believe it or not, whether you know it or not, you are called. If you call yourself a Christian, if you, if you follow Christ, then you are called into something. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to pick up uh, in the book of Corinthians... And this is the first chapter, and it's one verses 1 through 3, and it says this. Paul called an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says he's called an apostle. And uh, for all you Greek scholars out there, that's literally what he's saying. It's it, the, the as is added in. It's Paul called an apostle. He's called an apostle. And he says this to this church that, as we heard, was a very worldly place. It was placed in a very worldly area called Corinth. And Corinth was kind of a bad, it was like a byword. Like if you were called a Corinthian, it was like someone who was like, you know, mocking you. Oh, yeah, Corinthian. It was kind of a, by, a byword back then because it was sort of like, akin to uh, immorality and debauchery and idiocy and craziness. And maybe it's, maybe it's like, I don't know, Las Vegas, right? The city of sin. It's just like this crazy place. There was a lot of money flowing through there. The Romans kind of conquered it and rebuilt it. And so it became a place of commerce. It was sort of set in the peninsula. So we, they just kind of built this road between the two, the two waterways and Corinth sat in the middle of it. So they taxed in, they taxed out. And so they made a lot of money. They had a lot of money and they had a lot of, uh, a lot of craziness going on in this town. And so here Paul called an apostle, kind of verifies himself because, you know, he wasn't one of the apostles. He's called an apostle. Um, why? Because Jesus called him, right? And that's really what it means. Jesus has kind of made him an ambassador. So he's verifying his calling because he wasn't part of the 12. He was called an apostle by Jesus Christ himself. And he's hanging out with this guy named Sosthenes, who was a ruler of the temple back in those days, and he had become a Christian, right? And so he's saying, look, I'm, I'm with one of you. You know, he and I are writing this letter to you. Uh, to talk to you, but he's called an apostle to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints. So he's using this word in two different ways. He's saying he's called, and he's saying that the church is called. So what does it mean to be called? That's a good question, right? Okay, we're going there. All right, so first off, you're going to go back for me. You got to back a slide. There you go. So Paul is called this, apostolos. 
which is the Greek for apostle. Not a word that we use a lot, hear a lot. And so in the Gospels, it's sort of used interchangeably with the disciples, right? The disciples then became the apostles somehow, right? And just all of a sudden, so that, that word can be used interchangeably, but the word apostle basically means it's two, it's two words come together, apart, apa, which is from, and stella, which is sent forth. So it's basically one who is sent, and I like to think of it as an ambassador. Someone has sent him to speak on his, on their, on their part. So I'm sent as an ambassador of the United States. I go to the, I go to the UN and I speak on behalf of the United States because I'm sent to be that voice. And so Paul is sent as the voice of God into this godless city to teach them about Christ, right? But this other word that we're called to be saints. You consider yourself a saint. And this word is a, is a funny word because, um, Maybe you think of saint like this. This is Saint Francis of Assisi. All the animals loved him. Uh, and that's Saint Jude. He had a golden heart eye or something like that. Anyway, the, this, is, this is sort of sometimes we think of a saint as like this really, 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 really holy person who lived a long, long, long time ago. And that's a saint. But I don't add up to that. But that's what God calls you. Saint is just a, the word, it comes from the word sanctification, which means set apart. It's, we're the set apart ones. Think of it this way, that if I have this golden bowl that I use in worship to burn incense in, I don't then take that golden bowl and eat my fruity pebbles in it. Right? It's set apart for the purposes of God. It's set apart for the purposes of worship. Right? That's you. That's me. We're set apart. We're God's chosen vessels to represent him, to be his ambassadors here on earth. And you may not think of yourself as a saint, but this is basically what it means. It's a holy one, someone who is set apart for special purposes. When God called you, and when he called me, he called us into a sainthood. And it just means you're sanctified. And a sanctification is a process. You don't really complete it until you go to heaven. Sanctification is a process. You start somewhere, and you are sanctified. You are continually being set apart. He's... He's cutting away those old things from our lives, our sinful behaviors, our sinful minds, our sinful lives, and he's in, in our worldly mindsets, and he's drawing us closer and closer to him, drawing us out of this world, set apart from the things of this world, and set into the purposes of God. And that's basically what sanctified means, set apart for a special purpose. And we are, we're called to be separate. We're called to be separate from the world, from a sinful lifestyle, and set apart for the plans and the purposes of God. Do you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? And everyone is a little bit different, right? You may not be called to Corinth or called like Paul, but you're called into your workplace and your family and your friends and your area of influence and your community to represent Christ. We're called, where each one of us are called into the world to represent him. And that's what the church really means. So where do we get this word church to the church? And all of a sudden, they're a church. You know, he went in, he got some people together, he preached to them. Now you're a church. How did they become a church? They didn't sign up for it. They just became the church all of a sudden, right? Because they became believers together. And this word church actually comes from the Germanic. When, um, when Christianity became legal way back in the day, 
Constantine legalized Christianity, and it got into um, Germany. They didn't know what to really call. They didn't have a word for for what church really was in the Greek, so they they used this word kirch, and a kirch was a place of worship. It was a it was a, a building, a kirch. You go to the kirch. And that basically was a place of worship. It could have been pagan. It could have been anything, right? It's just a place. But Jesus uses this word, ecclesia. And that's a different type of word. It's actually, a, it's actually a military term. And it means called out ones for a purpose. Do you remember when Jesus and his disciples were hanging out at Caesarea Philippi? And they, he says to them, who do men say that I am? And they all gave their opinion or they what they've heard. Some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet, some say you're this, that. And he says, okay, so who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, right. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So what's the rock? What's the church, right? He calls him Peter. He says, right. And from now on, you are Peter. And upon this rock... There's a lot of meaning in that. Upon the meaning, what you just said, that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon the rock of that truth, I'm going to build my church. Right? I'm going to build my church upon the rock that says that, that, that is, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, and upon that truth, I'm going to build my church. And he used Peter to do it. And the, and the others, right? But I'll build my ecclesia. I will build my called out ones. I will... On this truth, you're going to be sent. And he sends them into the world. And he says, I'm going to send you as sheep among wolves. Sent ones. That's a little bit different. Where we don't go to church, we are the church. We are the sent ones. We are the called out ones. That's what the church really means. Called together. God doesn't call the church alone. You know, it's very popular these days to just sort of think that, well, if I... I don't need to go to church. I don't need to go to the church. And, that's, and, and, you know, maybe you don't need to go to a building, but you do need to be a part of fellowship. God doesn't call us alone. You know, individuality is a good thing, but individuality alone isn't. You know, these days, individuality is a big thing, and everybody, you know, you don't tell me what I can be. I can be what I want to be. But, you know, God calls us together as the church, not separate. So, yeah, there's not a, a command from Christ to go to church, but we have a whole lot of commands to be the church. And what does he say? Paul says, together. In that verse, he says, he, he's, he's talking to the church together. With all those in every place who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord. We are a part of a whole, Right? And, and the, what, what Jesus thinks of when he thinks of the church <clears throat> is a whole, is a whole body. We're the bride of Christ. And so the Lord wants us to be together in this because there's power when we're together. Right? Sheep in a flock are much stronger. The wolves don't come after the flock. They come after the one that's, that strays, right? They go after the one that, that's away from the, the pack. And there's strength in numbers, that within the church that we're to pray for one another, to strengthen one another, to, to lift up each other. We're called together. We're not called alone. 
So I want to take a little bit of time today, I thought, to sort of broaden out a little bit of my story with you guys, um, because I had a different impression of the church. <clears throat> I think it's important to understand sometimes how the world thinks of us, you know? And I wasn't really brought up understanding what the church was. I kind of was brought up quasi-Catholic. I went to a Catholic school, and the, what I thought was church was, a, was just that, the church. I thought it was a building that you went to and you, you know, on Sundays, and that was it, right? But I grew up very much alone and feeling very much alone. Um, my folks split when I was three, so I never really knew them together. Um, my mom and my dad kind of, I, I ping-ponged between East Providence and Providence, and I was, you know, it, it brought this real sense of instability in my life. And I'm the last of the of uh, four siblings. I've, I have three brothers and a sister. One has passed away. Um, and so I was the youngest, and, and my mother and my father had me later in life. And I think because of that, I sort of got, sort of I was at the end of the totem pole, right? And it, it brought just this sense of, like, neglect. It just was. I had this real sense of, like, mom and dad don't really, they sometimes forget about me, <laughs> you know. And I just kind of lived with this sense, you know. And um, my dad was a, you know, he was a great dad and all. My mom was a great mom. I love him to death. You know, I'm not dogging them. They did their best. But, you know, being single parents with that many children it's very hard, and then when they have to work, and it just, you know, something gets left out, and sometimes the kids, that's what happens. And I was what you'd call a latchkey kid. I'd come home from school off into an empty house, and I'd just let myself in, and, you know, I'd wake up off into an empty house, you know, and so just sort of grew up that way. As, as a young child in, my, in elementary school, I would often go to school without lunch money, without lunch, and I'd have to sit there. I don't know why they didn't just give me some food. I mean, good night. But they would, I'd just sit there and watch these kids eat, you know, and I just sort of felt like, these kids don't have these issues. I'm the only one that has these issues. And maybe they were simple and, you know, not as big of a deal now. But, you know, as a parent of a, of a five going on six-year-old, I work, I work pretty hard to not, to, to make sure she doesn't feel that way. Because that's a terrible feeling to feel like you're just sort of forgotten, you know, like left out. I'd often be left at school. They forget to pick me up. Oh, yeah, Jonathan. Oh, yeah, Jonathan. You know, it's sort of like that, you know. And um, anyway... Growing up that way, you know, it's, it's sort of dangerous. You know, there's a scripture that says, the proverb that says, um, raise up a child in the, in the way he should go, and when he grows older, he won't depart from it. Well, the, I have a teacher in Bible college that said, well, the, if you really want to know what the Hebrew is saying with that verse, it's saying that raise up a child in his own way, and when he grows up, he won't depart from it. Meaning like in his own way, meaning you neglect them, let him live the way he wants. He's going to grow up that way. Which maybe there's dual meaning. I don't know. I think the both are true, maybe. <laughs> but that was true for me. I just sort of grew up in my own way. and figured things out on my own. And, you know, I had brothers and all that stuff. But just living with the sense of aloneness. Not really a part of anything. Not really a part of a whole. And <clears throat> when, when I was about 13 years old, I started playing the guitar, and that was it. I sort of got into this world of heavy metal, and um, it brought me around guys that, you know, looked a certain way, and they, you know, wore dark clothing, and they, and they swore, and they smoked, and they were kind of like together, you know, and it sort of was like a family. And so I found myself a part, becoming a part of this accepted 
culture, you know, and they accepted me. They took me in and they sort of like raised me in a sense, you know, They're like, like raised by wolves. Like they really were. They were a church in and of themselves. They really were. They had their own way of talking. They had their own music. They had their own way of worshiping. You know what I mean? And that's really what rock concerts sometimes are, you know, and you know, there was idolization and debauchery and, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll was like what I lived for. And as a 13 year old child, like, my eyes were like, wow, you know, I was way too exposed and way too let alone, you know, and, and got into all that stuff. My father started to pick up on it and he started to see a change in my attitude, change in my demeanor, you know, and, um, he related it to the music that I was listening to. And so, he was a um, he was a pretty staunch Catholic, and so he was he was noticing it was the music, and so he would take the, my my Metallica tapes or whatever and throw them away, you know. And uh, he'd say to me, "You know how the you know how they boil a frog? They put a frog in lukewarm water and then turn up the heat slowly. It doesn't realize it's being boiled until it's boiled, and so it doesn't jump out of the pan." And I think, oh, Dad, you're so obtuse. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay, Dad, yeah, I'm being boiled, right? And so, but that's, you know, how a teenager thinks. And so he caught me one day. I was out drinking with a buddy of mine, and uh, he, he smacked me around, and he was really heavy with me, and uh, brought me down to my friend's house, and he screamed at him and his parents and made this big scene. And I thought, man, I can't live here anymore. And so... When he went to work one day, I left. I took all my stuff and moved to my mom and gave her whatever for the next 10 years. And it strained the relationship with my dad. We really didn't talk in those days. And um, he was angry with me, and that, that was the way it was. And, um, but my mom, she was very independent, very strong <coughs> woman. And she said to me, well, you're, you're 13, you're 14 years old. You're a man now. And so I'm not going to do your laundry. I'm not going to cook for you. I'm not going to buy your food. I'm not going to do your, uh, uh, clean your room. I'm not going to, you know, you're on your own. Like this, you're 14. You, you go get a job if you want money. Don't come and ask for dinner. You know, like basically saying like, you can stay here. I'll give you a roof, but that's it. And you get yourself up for school. You get yourself to school. Like she wouldn't do anything. Like she was totally took herself out of it. And so I, and I raised up under that. So I was like, okay, got a job and, you know, got a car on my own and all that stuff on my own. And sort of, again, lived with that sense of aloneness. So when I was in my young, all throughout high school, I always had like a band and, um, you know, was with that family. But sooner or later, that lifestyle just started to wear on me. And these people started to wear on me. And I started to like find myself hating them. I didn't like any, I didn't like my friends. I remember being at a bar one night thinking, I can't stand these people. I'm looking around, and I'm like, I just don't like anybody. And I, and I was angry inside, just, just an angry young man, you know. And, I mean, at the flip of a switch, I'd punch you. You know I mean? That was kind of how I was, just really just angry and, and you know, aggressive and, and probably lonely, you know, inside. If I, you know, all men have this, like, emotional way of, it, it, we might be sad or lonely or tired, but it comes out in anger, you know, just this one you know, women have all the colors of the rainbow of the emotions. Guys have just, this, it all comes down, you know, it might be I'm tired, I'm hungry, but I'm angry, you know. So I was always just angry. And I lived in that sort of sense of anger. And so when I was in my 20s, we got, my band got signed to a label and it kind of brought a sense of purpose to our lives. 
and we were starting getting recognized, and we had an album coming out, and all this stuff was happening, but I was miserable, totally miserable inside. I didn't even like my band. Like, we probably would have met, you know, maybe we would have met somewhere when then broke up, because we were just very angry kids, and um, I, found, I found that that culture, that family that I, I, I once, you know, loved, were really just a bunch of vampires, they were just sucking off each other, just like trying to just like take from each other, you know, and it just became this like greedy culture. And I, I just, I, I felt it, I, I lived in it, and I, I didn't like it. So when my guitar player called me and he said to me, hey man, listen, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I, I didn't understand what he meant. I had no context for what that meant. And so he said he was going to take a couple Christian songs over to my house, and he did, and he started witnessing to us, and I've told the story. And I recognized something in him, like he came from a different place or something, like something transformed him, and he was a different guy. He used to be this kind of meek pushover, and now he was this, I don't know, like this loving, compassionate, kind of annoying, you know, but he believed what he, you know, he was preaching at us, and we were like, all right, all right, take it easy. <coughs> I remember saying, like, talk to these guys. I believe, I believe in God. You know, I went to school. I went to Catholic school. And I remember his wife saying to me, his wife now said to me, um, well, where's the fruit of that? Where's the fruit of you believing, you saying you believe this? And so I thought, all right, touche. You know, like, I, I don't believe like you believe. And I didn't have what he had. And so over the days that came, I just, I watched him, you know. I was very suspicious, and I just watched what he'd say and, like, listen to what, you know. And I had questions, but I really wasn't. I was very reserved. And in those days, I was very reserved anyway. I pulled well away from my friends. And, and I was very kind of, I don't know, in my own world, even with, like, songwriting and stuff like that. I just would just all, I was just in this little, this dark world, you know. And um, so I was, very, I was very curious, but I, was, I wasn't really asking too many questions. Cause I didn't know, what, I don't know if I believed it yet. So I was just sort of on the, on the fence. And so one day I said to him, all right, man, I'll go to church with you. I want to check this out and see what's going on at your church. So obviously something's happened. I want to go to your church. So we played, a, we played one of those hokey bluegrass songs at, a, at the Blackstone Barn Grill in Massachusetts. And the next day I woke up very with a headache because I had too much soda. We have too much soda. You wake up with a headache. And I thought, oh, i got to go to church. We didn't have cell phones then, so I couldn't, like, text them. Not feeling good. So he was just going to show up. So I'm, I got to get up. And so I get up and I go to church with him. And he takes me to this small little white New England Pentecostal church called Grace Chapel. It was at the end of my street. And I didn't even know it was there. I didn't really like recognize, oh, this is a church over here. And so we walk in. I thought it was going to be like what I remember church to be as a kid. I'm on this home. He knew. Incense. You know, I'll fall asleep. You know. All right, eat the bread and go, you know what I mean? And it wasn't like that. So I, woke, I walked into this loud atmosphere, and I was like a, it was like, wasn't church that I remembered. It was, there was like a band up front who let them in, and they were loud, and it was just like everybody's like got their hands in the air. Someone called me brother. And I was like, this is a cult. Oh, <laughs> this is what this is. I get it. Okay, I got to get out of here. And so I'm and thinking that I'm thinking I've got to get rid of this guy too. I think we're our, we're done here. Like I got to get another guitar player. And I'm literally thinking like this: these people are nuts. That guy, that guy's on his face. That guy's on the floor. 
okay. I'm like, how long do I have to sit through this? You know, it was just like, this is madness. And in that sense of madness, thinking that everybody's crazy and I'm thinking that I'm in a cult, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of me. Now, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit when I was in, my, in the fourth grade. But then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit arresting me and getting a hold of me in that moment was so powerful. It was the same spirit that I remember as a kid. But I remember him saying to me and calling my name and saying to me, he spoke to me and said, you'll write songs for me now, big boy. <laughs> You'd say that. I added that. You'll write songs for me now. All right. Well, I didn't want to do that. I didn't like bluegrass music or this Christian stuff that I was listening to. I didn't want to do any of that. But I remember him calling me and saying that to me. So what am I going to do with that? But more than that, I remember feeling the Holy Spirit just, just scrubbing that filth off of me. That disgusting darkness that I could never get rid of. Ever. And all those years of living in that prodigal life with these prodigal people, and these vampires, being a vampire myself, all of a sudden coming into the light, it was so transforming. I can't even explain it, even to this day. I just, it was the Holy Spirit just like taking this fire hose to my life. Yes, I praise the Lord. But then there was the church, right? And so I was called to him, and I committed my life to Christ that day. And, you know, I had to learn what it meant to commit to Christ, but I also had to learn what it meant to commit to the church. And I'm going to tell you guys something. I, I want to tell you what I hoped the church was. Now, up until that time, I'd been reading the Bible, and I'd been hearing from Dave and Shelby, and they were talking to me about what the Scripture says about this, that, and the other thing. And I knew enough about what, the, what he said about the church. I knew enough about what the church was supposed to be in the, Old, in the New Testament, right? So I really hoped that it was true. I hoped that these people were going to live it like the Bible says. I was hoping that they were going to be a loving community. I was hoping that they were going to be passionate. I was hoping that they were going to take the word of God and actually live it. I was hoping that they were going to help me, that they were going to be welcoming, that they were going to help me live it, because I was not going to be able to make it on my own. I knew that. So would they welcome me? Would they take me in? Would they teach me? Would they accept me? Because you've got to remember, I lived my life alone. I had no family, really, in a sense, growing up. I didn't have a sense of family anyway. I felt very alone all my life. And here, all those years of hanging out with this worldly family and this, this synagogue of Satan, this, this demonic church all my life, in all these years anyway, those 10 years of my life, I was really hoping that this was true. Christ was real. I knew that. Accepted Christ. Committed to him. All right. I don't want to live like this anymore. I wanted out of the world of drugs. I wanted out of the world of crazy. I wanted stability. I wanted to be clean, you know. And so Christ offered that. But I also wanted a family. And that's who we are. That's what we're called to be. 
Sanctified, yes, amen. Set apart for God's purpose. And what's God's purpose? People. We're called to worship him, all our heart, mind, soul, strength, body. We're called to love one another as ourselves. So where does it leave us today? I hope that when you think of the church, you think of it in those lights, that we're a loving community, that we're welcoming, that you're passionate about your belief, and that you feel a sense of togetherness with those in this room. And maybe you're sort of on the outside. Maybe you sort of come here, but you don't really connect with people. Let me encourage you. God didn't call you alone. He called all of us together to be together, to be brothers and sisters in our, in our walk, to lift up one another, to watch out for one another, because it's a hard world out there. And I don't know where I'd be without the church. I really don't, and I mean that. That's not a cliche. I, don't, I really don't. I don't think I would have made it. But there are men... And women that were like moms and dads to me. I had mommies and daddies in that church. And they raised me up. And they told me straight up how it was. And they weren't afraid to talk to me. They weren't afraid to pull me aside. They weren't afraid to talk straight to me. But they were also gracious and loving. I remember I would just like latch on to these guys. I'd go home with them. I'd be like, what are you doing now? Can I go to your house? Like, what you, can I go over to your house? All right, come on over. And I just hang out all day because I needed that fellowship. I, I craved it. I needed it. I, and I needed what they had. I needed to learn that word. I needed to understand it. I needed to learn to live it because I was so, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to go back. I couldn't go back. So I needed the fellowship. I needed that. And so as God brings people into our lives, Maybe they're going through the same thing. Maybe they're thinking the same thing. That Maybe they're hoping that the church is, is just that, is a family. That they love one another, that they look out for one another, and that they live out the word of God. Because then they know that they need it. Whether they realize it or not, they know that they need to be connected to the body of Christ. You know, my pastor used to, my first pastor used to say, um, a head without a body is gross. <laughs> and he used to say also that even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Right? We're not called alone. And he doesn't want us to go alone. And you know, when I, outside of that church, when I, I, I went to a campground once, it was a, it was a Christian camp, it was like, I was probably two months, maybe a month on the Lord. I quit my band and all this stuff, and I, I just found myself just so full of joy in those days that I, I didn't want to let that go. I just needed to have that, and I protected that earnestly. And and anytime I'd get with my worldly band there, it was like it was like chaos, it was strife and fighting. And I said, you know, I I, just, I can't do this anymore. I just this has got to go. And it wasn't of God. I knew he, was, he just that sanctification. He was calling me out. But now here I am in this campground with a bunch of other Christians that I never really met. And I realized it was the same spirit. 
It was the same kind of person, same people. But they were loving and welcoming and passionate, and they were, like, looking out, you know, talking and getting to know me, you know, outgoing. And, and it was like, these, this is the church. And at that moment, yes. And I said to myself in, the, in that moment, I said, I always want to be around these people. I always want to surround myself with these people. Because I was in a selfish community. And I never wanted to go back to that. So, how do we close? I don't know. I didn't think about that. Yeah. (laughs) So this is it. We're called, right? We're called to God to commit to Christ and to commit to one another. So what does it mean to be the church? Well, it means that we start loving on one another. And so I'm a big advocate for life groups, for small groups. Aiden and I are starting a, a, th- a Thursday night, yeah, here at the church, here soon. Um, you know, we, we want you guys to get involved. You know, this is, if you're in a zip code that's near us, we probably have a small group for you. You know, get together with people on a cellular level, on a smaller group level. That's how you grow. We grow in circles, right? We learn in rows, encouraged in rows, but we really grow in circles. So uh, why don't I ask Pastor Tom to come up and close us in prayer. Thank you all for being the church. We were talking about this topic this week. And uh, there's those who are new to the church. And they have yet to establish deep relationships. And we have to be opening and welcoming and part of that. There are those... And Jonathan talked about this several weeks ago, about those who are like de-churched, those who were in a church, but they got hurt. They got disappointed by us, by, by, by the relationships, because relationships are not easy, and we're all a little bit human. And there are some sitting here this morning who are still hurting. They come to church. They don't really connect with the people in the church. They come to church because they know, number one, it's the right thing to do. Like, you know, they, they were brought up with that. You know, but they also desire something. They're looking for something. But they're also a little bit tentative or a little bit fearful of relationships with other people. Maybe because they were raised in a home like Jonathan. They're used to being alone. And they just think, well, this is just who I am. I'm just an alone person. I'm, a, I'm an individual I don't need anybody else, or I don't want to need anybody else. It's usually that's the, the struggle. Is you know you need someone, else, but you don't want to be needing someone else. You really want to do it alone. It's not possible. Like Jonathan said, it's, it's not possible to do it alone. I can't do it alone. I can't always encourage myself. I can't always tell myself the right thing. I can't always encourage me to do the right thing and not do the wrong thing. I need other people around me in the community of faith who have the same values, who have the same God, who have the same ideas about how we are to live this out and can help me along the path. And that's what we're here for. So as we establish ourselves in this new year of 2024, you've got to evaluate your own life and see where you are on the spectrum of all of this. And maybe it's not, you can't change everything all at once, but you can change one thing. You can start to get more involved. You can reach out to someone. You can join a group. You can become part of something that you're not right presently part of. 
And as you add that to your life, you'll grow. You'll change. You'll, you'll realize there's benefits to that. Will you get hurt? Probably. Will you have to forgive? Yes, you will. Because God has us in a cycle of discipleship where we're learning things again, and then we're learning things again, and then we're learning things again. And each time we learn them, hopefully they're getting more deeply rooted in our lives. And we're learning to establish ourselves in Christ together. Because it isn't just about the relationships with each other. It's first and primarily our relationship with God, and then out of that relationship, our relationship with others. See, we're different than any other organization on earth. There's lots of organizations. There's like a brotherhoods and there's sororities and there's all these, you know, the Boy Scouts. There's all these organizations you can join. It's just about the people in that organization and what they can do together. And guess what? You can do more when you're with other people. That's just a fact. God made it that way. But the church of Jesus Christ is established in Christ and then in our relationship with one another. So our strength and our life and the flow of life comes from God into our lives and then through our lives to the world and to each other. And that's what the church is. The church is the only organization on earth that has Christ at the very core and the head of the church. I, I, I like what your pastor said. You know, a head without a body is ugly. It's gross. It's gross. Or a body without a head is also gross. So both, both seem scary to us, right? We want to be the head with the body established together as members of Christ's body. All right? So this morning, just take a moment as we get ready to pray. And just think of where you are right now today or where you were when you walked in the door. Because maybe you've already begun to change a little bit, to want something. Think of where you are in relation to being alone and think about what God might want for you in this new year. What might he establish you in in this new year? Joining something new, joining a Bible study, or just starting a relationship with another Christian where you pray for each other and help each other in the ups and downs of life. And ask God to lead you. After all, he is the good shepherd, right? He leads his sheep. He speaks to his sheep. He says his sheep know his voice. So he can speak to you this morning to give you encouragement to not stay right where you are, but to continue to grow. And you may already be established in groups. That's great. Continue to grow. Continue to grow. Continue to ask God to make you fruitful. Because God wants to bring fruit out of our lives. He doesn't just want us to be healthy plants. He wants us to be so healthy that we produce fruit for him. That there's something out of our lives that grows and is established and is refreshing to those who interact with us as God's people. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that the Apostle Paul knew he was called to be an apostle, one who was sent out by you into this world to help others to know Jesus better. We thank you that he went to Corinth, that he shared the gospel there, and that people heard it and believed. And there's now a church. There was now a church there that he could write to and encourage. We want to be in that flow. We want to receive from you your word and be changed and encouraged by it. And we have been this morning. 
So we thank you for that. We pray that you would help us to continue to grow. In this new year, Lord, you have new plans. You have new ideas. You have new relationships that we haven't even established yet. We want to establish them according to your plans and your purposes for us. We want to be the church. We don't just want to be a place. We want to be those who are set aside, called out to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ wherever we go and in every relationship. So we pray that your spirit would be at work with us, even as we sing this song, as we leave this place. Be at work with us. Help us to move more into the plans that you have for us this year. In Christ we pray.